Hey everybody, on this week of Guy Talking Sports, we're going to get into the Nike campaign ad with Colin Kaepernick, um, the Le'Veon Bell holdout, um, some of our early NFL picks, and Nick Saban picking on the starting QB on this week of Guy Talking Sports. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Guys Talking Sports, where it's me and my two boys, Al and uh, Big Sexy, here to talk about some sports, talk some shit, and uh, get into everything that's relevant for today. So, uh, fellas, uh, how you doing this evening? Well, me, I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, school is back, so, you know, just getting everything going. You know how it is. Yeah, I ain't got no kids. I got a dog. Got to walk them every morning at 5.45, feed them, give them water. So I guess I, I got a routine as well. <laughs> Getting ready for school with the dog? <laughs> the dog gets my blood my blood flowing. Get that shower to get ready for work. <laughs> hell of a routine, 5.45 in the morning. I, he had to sit in the cage until I get good and ready. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good. Yeah. So we're going to hop right into it. There's been a lot of stuff popping off the last couple of days. So, uh, you know, a lot of things to kind of discuss real quick. And, of course, the NFL um, business opens on uh, Thursday for the NFL and fantasy football. So uh, let's get right into it. So definitely there's been some topics that's been popping off the last two days. Um, obviously, if anybody has been seeing, uh, Nike is going to put out their 30th anniversary edition with Colin Kaepernick as the, uh, the main focal point. And um, for their Just Do It, um, for their Just Do It campaign, um, as well as that, Le'Veon Bell is still holding out, hasn't um, hasn't came into camp yet. And um, of course, a lot of football. I want to know who is going to win what, and if the Giants are going to get to the NFC East Championship, which I'm skeptical. So, uh, starting off, guys, I know that um, there's been a lot of talk about um, Colin Kaepernick and, the, and Nike in their campaigns. There's been a lot of, um, I guess, um, people on both sides doing different things. There's been some people burning some Nike um, apparel. Some people say they're not going to buy any Nike apparel, period. Of course, our president is always there to give us some words of comfort where he says he doesn't understand why and thinks it's a bad move. Even though he did say something to the fact that, you know, this is America and people can say or do what they want to do, but we all know what he meant the first time. Um, but there's been a lot of people who have been very in support of um, Nike and Colin Kaepernick, um, LeBron James, who voiced their support. So, uh, fellas, um, just just curious, what are your guys' thoughts as far as Nike, Colin Kaepernick, and the um, and this whole thing that they're pushing for? Um, I think it's I think it's great. Uh, that Nike is doing what they're doing. They're not just their voice of all the people is what I'm gathering from all of this. It's, it's truly absurd to me how folks will sit there and burn products that they spent their hard earned money cut up and do whatever they're trying to do just because they want to associate Kaepernick and supposedly disrespecting the flag. Uh, with the NFL when this clearly has nothing to do with the NFL because Colin Kaepernick 
is not in the NFL playing football. Um, it's sad that this sort of thing has to invoke some sort of political type of situation, whereas they just can't appreciate LeBron, excuse me, uh, Kaepernick <clears throat> for what he's trying to do, for what he plans to continue to do. And the focus, I don't know if any, either one of you have seen the actual two and a half minute ad, but I thought it was, it was very powerful. Uh, just the, the whole premise of the ad and just uh, what Nike's focal point was and just using Kaepernick as a spokesperson. I thought it was, it was quite brilliant, but it's a shame that, you know, people will do just such crazy things because one, you know, if you just want to just call it what it is, he's a black man, uh, did what he did on a, on a stage where people are entertained and it was non-people of color, you know, if you want to want to go that route that seemed to take the brunt of the, the situation and kind of ran with it. And it doesn't help the situation any when you have a, a president who likes to feed, to feed fuel to the fire and make things even more even worse than what it really is. And if I can add just something, just for the our listeners who haven't seen the ad or know what the ad definitely says, it's really, I haven't seen the commercial yet. They're going to preview it on um, Thursday Night Football or run the ad on Thursday Night Football, but um, there's a caption with um, Colin Kaepernick's face where it says, um, believe in something, even if you're sacrificing everything. So I just want to get that point out there for people who haven't actually seen or know what the words are. And the crazy thing about it is people are saying that Colin Kaepernick hasn't sacrificed a thing. You know, okay, so they said that he got paid millions of dollars to play football, but, you know, top players typically do get paid millions of dollars to play football. Then they want to sit there and say, well, he was getting paid millions of dollars from Nike or whomever else that he's working for. So now you're mad at the man for making an honest living. (laughs) You know, so it's like he can't do, he can't be right in any situation, which is which is just truly sad. Um, is this crazy? Is this crazy the divide of what the country is now in the past? I'd say eighteen to twenty months. Is this uh, is this sick when you got to sit there and just think that Nike just can't run an ad regardless if it has some sort of uh, some sort of statement or some sort of uh, point that they're trying to make with it now not trying to become political and then the president have to go in and throw his two cent via Twitter. I'm sorry, I just rambling about a bunch of crap. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree with you. Um to be honest with you, um well first off kudos to Nike, but I think it's a win win for both situations, both sides. Um I think it was a smart business decision from Nike standpoint because, let's be honest, they're not going to really lose a lot even if some people burn whatever it is or cut up whatever prop- products that Nike own, even though they, they already did pay for it, like you said, Adrian. So it kind of defeats the purpose. Kind of, To be honest, I find it laughable, the fact that you will cut up a product that you already bought. Nike already, already benefited off of the, the money. So I don't understand why you would do that to begin with. Um, to be honest, you could have done, if you don't want to wear the product anymore, it would be much more feasible to donate it to somebody else or donate it to um, some, the homeless. Um, I think you would have gotten more out of that 
you know, if you don't want to wear the product, that's fine. But to burn stuff, products that other people can benefit for or use doesn't make sense. Um, just for social media, just for that your video goes viral, hopefully. Um, it doesn't make sense at all. Um, so never thought of, never really understood the reasoning behind doing something like that. Um, also, I also believe that as far as Nike is concerned, that I think they made a, a choice to be rooting for the underdog like Colin Kaepernick. And I think it's going to pay off in the long run. It may pay off now, but I think it's going to pay off in the long run. Um, and it seems as though a lot of people are supporting them behind it, and rightfully so. Um, so I think it benefits both. Um, and I think to give Colin Kaepernick a voice, um, not only because of the fact that he's going through his lawsuit right now with the NFL, but it also shows that, you know, there are people that do support what he is trying to accomplish and what he is, the, the symbolism, um, so to speak, the symbolism of um, why he kneeled in the first place. Um, so I think all in all, I think this is a good thing and there's going to be people supporting him no matter what. Yeah, for me, when I first heard about it, I was, uh, you know, I was, you know, on board and supporting Nike for what they were trying or, or, or looking to do. So I didn't initially have any problem with it at first glance. The more I thought about it, I was kind of a little bit skeptical because, you know, it, for me, you know, Colin Kaepernick has been on a Nike contract for quite a number of years. So if they were truly, you know, you know, in the corner of Colin Kaepernick, um, they could have said something about a year ago or even two years ago. But they're waiting for their 30th anniversary to put his face to their campaign and put that, you know, you know, the logo attached to just do it. Um, they are a business, a multi-million or billion-dollar business. So at the end of the day, they're all about making money. Obviously, they think they're going to lose some fans to it. But to me, as much as this is in support of Colin Kaepernick, to me, it still looks like just a business move for Nike. And I guess they, I guess they took the, the temperature or the air of how you know things are at the moment. And I guess the one thing to get people to buy a magazine or to look at their you know their apparel is to do something that will kind of be a little bit more of some kind of shock value or a kind of, here, look at us. And what's the best thing to do for NFL opening, not just night, but opening weekend, is probably throw out there the most divisive thing in NFL right now, which would be Colin Kaepernick, the kneeling for the national anthem, which is always going to invite some blowback of obviously the president was no one's surprised about what he said. I mean, it's getting pretty predictable at this particular point. The people burning apparel is really stupid because you already gave Nike their money or Nike resellers or, you know, wholesalers their money. So in a sense, Nike got their money, irregardless of what you're doing. Um, they're probably expecting they're going to lose some fans, but they're thinking that maybe they're going to pick up some fans from, let's say Adidas, Puma, Under Armour, who wants to kind of rally around this. So, I mean, they're all about the business of making money. So I do, on the one hand, like the fact that they're putting their money behind Colin Kaepernick, but to the same thing I take with a grain of salt because he was out there on a man on the island. And for some people who are saying that he's not sacrificing anything, he sacrificed his livelihood of playing football. Right. Same way that anybody 
if they were a whistleblower at a job, would sacrifice their job. The same people, the women on the Me Too movement who, you know, decided to not to do whatever to these, you know, studio execs who wanted something in return for them to work there, they're sacrificing not only that movie, but their livelihood going forward. So it's not about seeing in the prism of what some people are saying, oh, you're sacrificing money. No, it's sacrificing what they want and love to do. So to me, I, like I said, I like what Nike's doing, but I take it with, a, like I said, a grain of salt because to me, it's still a business move about making money and controversy always sells. <laughs> I, just re- I just saw something. Nike created a, I don't know if you guys can actually see this, but I'll read it for the, read it for the fans. But How to burn our products safely? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's copyrighted by Nike. At the bottom it says, just do it safely. It says, always start your fire outside. Stand at least five feet from the open flame. Keep the clothes you're wearing away from the flame. Once burned, always douse the fire with water. With the Nike swoosh, just do it safely. <laughs> Man, that's, that's that's this bananas. That's that's a level of petty on a on a level of petty of how Wendy's is petty on uh, social media with their competitors when they do hamburgers and stuff. I just thought that was kind of hilarious. <laughs> but, but you know what? I can't knock them. If they, I mean, right now this is this is hot right now. So you know, if you're gonna do it, you might as well go all out. And you know, I, I can't knock them for doing it, but I agree with what you're saying, Earl. This yeah. is what you're saying. It does seem when you say what you what you said, Earl. It kind of makes me now wonder. You know, how this is just all too coincidental that now all of a sudden you have a voice and you want to defend. Um, so I I think it's this is I can't knock them for it, but it is kind of something about it is just a little bit you know from a business standpoint that they're picking is right. <laughs> I just it still it still boggles the mind how you can spend anywhere between forty and a and I, I don't know two hundred three hundred dollars for a pair of Nike shoes boots whatever it is that you want to buy and just because somebody you don't agree with who their spokesperson is you're gonna sit there and cut the swoosh off I actually saw an idiot burn the sneakers with his feet in them yes that is going viral. Whatever injury he's got, he deserves it because he's stupid, stupid for doing something like that. Yes, the 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 pictures of the feet shown of him of his burnt feet they are now viral. Yes, that is correct. That's that's dude. If I could borrow Charmelaine the God, uh, the donkey of the day, <laughs> he might be donkey of the decade for that idiot's idiotic move. <laughs> There's always an idiot out there, always. <laughs> But sometimes it just goes to show you where the people, how people feel. And unfortunately, even though, you know, he did, you know, hurt himself, injured himself, this is some fact that there are still people out there that just don't agree with what it is. And they'll do some drastic measures to, to try and prove a point. Maybe a meaningless point, but it's a point of theirs nevertheless. And, and, and of course, you know, Nike, you know, this, this whole movement has been hijacked from day one. Um, you know, me personally, I always thought that Colin Kaepernick should have been a bit more, uh, you know, vocal in what he was doing or why he was doing. 
instead of waiting for people to give their own interpretations of what he thought he was doing. And then by the time he explained what he was doing, it was too late. You know, the horse was out the barn and nobody was, you know, really caring what he was saying. But um, Nike is going to profit off of this. I mean, if you see people kneeling and doing whatever, all this do is just going to just add more to their campaign, which is going to add more dollars to their bottom line. So they're looking at the long game on this one and trying to be on the right side of history, per se. So, for me, you know, I'm going to see how this all, all unfolds this NFL season. Bigger question is, will it stop you from buying a fly, uh, a fly pair of Nike kicks? Well, since I haven't bought a fly pair of Nike kicks in a minute, I think I bought some Air Force Ones a few years ago. Uh, it's irrelevant, but no. It <laughs> would <laughs> I just bought some Nike kicks for my for my son not, just just the past weekend, so that hasn't stopped me. <laughs> right, it's craziness, man. I and it's only going to get worse. I, I I can only imagine what the opening weekend of the NFL is gonna is gonna be. Uh, what's going to become of it? Just because of what's going on now with this ad, will this entice players to? go out there and use their platform to to whatever level and how will it back what will the uh, the backlash be because of it i it, like i agree with you Earl. it's uh, it's coincidental that they would want to do it right now at the beginning of the nfl season it riled everybody up you're probably going to get some folks that are that are uh, some nfl folks that are you know players They'll be like, you know what? I'm gonna go go out here just for opening weekend. It's gonna do something, and NFL is gonna be back in that little quandary that they, they're trying to, you know, get themselves out of. And it's gonna be very interesting to see how they're gonna be able to react as as an organization. But the question is now, yeah, no, I agree with you because I don't know if the NFL really needed this, um, but it's now there. Um, so we'll see how everything is going to be going forward as far as like you said the backlash and whether the nfl players do something to 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 make a stand or not i think originally that's what everybody was looking to see what the nfl players was going to do on the first start first started you know first game of the season um to see if there was going to be anybody doing something you know disrespectful um even though that there's so many um rules and regulations now set in place about the kneeling um, the question now is, is that is NFL players going to do something outside of that scope? Um, so it's still going to be interesting to see thir- come Thursday when um, the first season, I mean, when the first game starts, how NFL players are going to respond or what they're going to do with anything. Um, so it's there's still a curiosity there. Um, but this is all going to be all talk throughout the NFL season long, which is going to be unfortunate because nobody's going to really be talking about the players and the game itself is going to be the controversy and everything, the backlash after the fact. Yeah, it was definitely going to make for a uh, much more interesting um, NFL opening weekend to kind of see what all the uh, what's going to unfold in regards to this. So it's definitely going to be a lot of people watching the sidelines for the um, for the national anthem, see who's standing, who's not, who's even on the field or not. So definitely. Uh, Anything it's going to put more emphasis, I think, on this opening weekend to see how to see how things go, and then the week after to see how teams and people react afterwards. So 
definitely going to be interesting to see. Um, so staying on football, obviously, uh, you know, there's been some key holdouts. I think most people have, you know, gotten their money. You know, I know I wasn't here last week. So, uh, you know, Odell got his money, 60, 65 million guaranteed. Um, Oakland Raiders, which I thought was, I couldn't believe when I first saw it, traded Khalil Mack to the Bears for two first rounders. And um, I think a, a third rounder, I might be correct, but he got his money from the Bears. Um Aaron Rodgers, whoo-wee, <laughs> did the Packers break out the piggy bank for him, gave him, what was $103 million guaranteed out of his $160 million extension. So everybody's getting paid except for Le'Veon Bell, who's still under his franchise tag and has yet to uh, show up to the Steelers' um, facility. So do you guys think that Le'Veon Bell will be on the field come Sunday with the Pittsburgh Steelers? No, uh, I think I don't think he's going to be there. Um, I think it's unfortunate um, to get to this point right now. I think it's just it's you know it's all good when you're doing it for like the training. I mean, before you know the OTAs and you know getting ready for a training camp. Come preseason, if it's not squashed by then, um, that's really like your should be a deadline. Um, by the first game of the season, all bets are off. And I could understand if NFL players or teammates are upset, um, especially Steelers. As a matter of fact, I just saw a quote from um, Pouncey, the old line, about the, um, he, th- um, he thinks that Bell is selfish, a little selfish, not completely, but a little selfish. And he's kind of ticked off, and it sucks that he's not here, um, and they'll move on as a team. I think that basically the bottom line is that there should be some – I'm pretty sure there's an unwritten rule at this point that players are okay with you getting your money, um, but don't let it jeopardize the season um, for the team. And if you're not there to get yourself ready for the season, I could see teams start – I could see players on the team starting to feel a little bit disrespected and feel as though that you're a selfish person because you're not doing it for the team, you're doing it for yourself. Um, there's both sides to it. Um, I really thought that Bell would have had everything taken care of just around the same time OBJ got his money. Um, but unfortunately, that's not the case. So it's interesting to see what they're going to do going forward and how his teammates is going to treat him when, once he eventually comes back to the team, if he comes back to the team. Um, but I think right now players – can just if I'm teammates, I'm like, yo, we gotta do what we gotta do without him, and treat it as though he's not here, and move on from there. That's all you can do. Uh, wow. Uh, it's a shame that the Steelers and Bell can't come to some sort of an agreement as far as what he is worth as a running back for the Steelers. Um, he uh, arguably is one of the top running backs in the NFL, if not the top. I mean, Gurley, the Rams recognized what Gurley brought uh, to the table, and they paid them paid him handsomely. Um, Le'Veon Bell, granted, the Steelers have more weapons than LA. 
where I could see where the Steelers probably can't afford to throw that much money at him because they still got A.B. He still got a functioning Roethlisberger. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, eventually he's going to be on a come up. He's going to want some serious money. They can't technically afford to throw that much money into one position. Whereas L.A., the Rams, yes, they're up and coming. Their QB is still on a rookie deal. Um, they don't have any really true top flight receivers that they're paying top money to. And the only other person that they're really paying, well, they did pay Cooks, but they didn't pay Cooks like they like a, like a true, true, hundred, you know, close to $100 million contract. They signed it for like $60 million. I think they may give them like $40 million guaranteed, where it wasn't uh, astronomical. It wasn't OBJ numbers, put like that. And um, they still have some flexibility. So I think Le'Veon, though, he's, well, he's deserving. By all means, he's deserving of a top dollar as far as a running back is concerned. If he was willing to work within a team, uh, in a team scope and looking at, look at the bigger picture of what they could accomplish if they're willing to stay together, he could look at it in a way where, well, I was going to say he could look at it in a way as Tom Brady, where Tom Brady kind of sacrificed a lot of his money to help try to get better talent in. but. He is in that position where he's running the ball and touching the ball constantly, and he's just one freak accident away from not being able to play at all. So it's unfortunate that they can't come to come to a deal, and I doubt that the Steelers are even going to come close to what he wants as a deal. And I can, I probably could see him being somewhere other than Pittsburgh. But Pittsburgh has this uncanny knack, and I think we talked about this last week, Al where they just kind of know when to let go of somebody. <laughs> They've been doing it for years with a bunch of their, their wide receivers. They just kind of know what they – they get what they can get out of them, they let them go, and for whatever reason, they just fade off in obscurity. I'm not saying Le'Veon Bell will happen like that, but they got what they want out of him. They feel as though that John Connor, who's there, can possibly fill a role, maybe not fill all of Bell's roles and, and be as – productive as Bell, but can give them the ground production that they need. So if John Connor goes out there and has a pretty good season, Le'Veon Bell's going to be in somebody else's backfield, but damn sure ain't going to be in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yes, I'm, I would have thought he would have been back by now, um, but he's not blinking. Um, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't blinking. I mean, um, he still has a sign as um, – is 14.5 million franchise tag for this year, but as long as he signs it by, I believe, some somewhere in the middle of November, um, he can become a free agent next season, which means he can go uh, unrestricted free agent next season, which means he can sign anywhere as long as he's not hurt or, you know, really banged up. So, um, I like I said, I thought he'd have been back by now. Um, it's not like the old days where they can still negotiate contracts you know, well into the season for the most part. I mean, um, it's not like how when the Cowboys, you know, got, you know, held by gunpoint by Emmett Smith and he was set out the first two games and he lost the first two games and Jerry Jones <laughs> decided that he needed to sign his running back to give him some money and Emmett got his money. So, you know, if the Steelers go 2-0 and and he look and it looks horrendous, will they be more apt to come to the table with Le'Veon Bell? Nah. 
I doubt the way the CBA is really constructed right now, it doesn't give you much leeway to still do contract negotiations into the season. So, I mean, he can still sign his franchise tag for $14.5 million. Um, I think this – is this his first or second franchise tag? Second. Second. So he's going into Kirk Cousins' uh, water. So mm-hmm. if he signs it and they don't give him a contract extension and he signs it by mid-November, becomes a free agent, he can go, he can go anywhere he wants to regardless of what the Pittsburgh Steelers say. So um, it's well, going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Well, you see a lot of these teams nowadays go running back by committee. You know, they got that one back, the main back, they change the change pace back, and then they got the scat back. Then they got the passing down back. <laughs> you know, I mean, granted, yes, Le'Veon Bell pretty much accomplished all of those things where the Steelers are very fortunate to have that type of running back, but they don't need to sink that type of money into that position where you can get two to three above average players that can give you all of that in different situations, different, different, uh, in different schemes and probably pay three for the price that Le'Veon would probably want to get paid for one year. So I know they're not going to sit there and resign him. They'll, they'll just take a chance and let John Connor and then find the next dynamic diamond in the rough like they do every year in the damn draft. I don't know how the hell the Steelers do it, man. Sheesh, they, they, they find talent, and they just develop that talent. And offensively, man, the Steelers ain't missed a beat since Bettis. <laughs> Granted, they ain't win the Super Bowl every year, but they were playoff bound every year, except for the year, I think, when, when Roethlisberger did or didn't have that sexual assault. And <laughs> And that time when he wrecked himself on that bike, dude, for whatever reason, he wrecked himself. But outside those two seasons, Steelers have been a, uh, a, a stalwart of success, at least making it to the playoffs. So, I mean, they're going to be just fine with or without And to be honest, that's what makes it, like, <laughs> to be honest, it's what makes the Steelers who they are. Um, I'm very curious to see if they – if he doesn't get signed by at least week three, then I'm pretty sure that we can all say that it's going to be – it's just a matter of time before he gets dealt or something happens where he is no longer Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, it's going to get to a point where right now the teammates are starting – is talking. Um, when the fans start going after him, I think that's going to be where he's going to either respond back or it's just going to end up being bad for all both both sides all around. So I'm I'm if something needs to happen before week three, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I think um, if you look at it, the first two games of the of, um, the Steelers are going to be the first game is against the Browns, and the second game is against the Chiefs. So if the Steelers go zero and two, the pressure is going to ratchet up on the Steelers. You know you know, executive board to get something done. Well, here's the question, though. Do you think that the fans are going to blame management or are they going to blame Bell? I don't know. I mean, they could blame both. I mean, um, just equal blame to probably go around at this particular point. Um, you know, Le'Veon Bell, wants, he, wants a, he wants a long-term contract for his, for his peace of mind. And um, 
he knows this is probably his one time to get that last good contract. And after that, everything else is going to be, you know, you know, pennies on a dollar. But he's looking to cash out right now to get that contract because that's what all running backs, how they are right now. You got that one big contract to get, and then that's it. You, you, there's no more money after that. So I don't know. They're, they're probably going to blame both, but it, like I said, it's enough blame to go around. Well, we'll see. <laughs> but I do know if they go two and zero, and they look, and the offense looks good, and the running backs look good without Le'Veon Bell, <laughs> will Le'Veon Bell come come back and sign that tag, or will he he continually sit out? Because if they get to the point where they're looking good, and you don't sign, they could either, like you said, Ace. I think they still have his rights, so they can try to trade him and get some value out of them from somebody, which there will be a lot of takers, or they'll let them sit. But my guess is if they go 2 or 3-0 and and he's still not signed, they're going to look to try to get something from him. So I can see a trade coming in the early part of the season to a team that's going to be in need of running back. And there's a lot of teams out there <laughs> that's going to need a running back, that's going to have a lot of money and some picks. So, I mean, it's a big game of, it's a big game of chicken at this point. I, I can see the Redskins throwing their hat into that. Uh, into that. Well, they already got a- Adrian Peterson, so we have to see how that goes. Come on, AP. <laughs> this this ain't AP from four seasons ago. <laughs> hey, you never know. He, he, you never know what he can do. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> I, what do they say in the NFL? If you got two, if you got two quarterbacks, you ain't got one. <laughs> Well, it was a nice segue into a real quick segment with college football. So I think you appreciate this. Alabama football. Um, so did I hear correctly that um, Nick Saban named Tua the starting QB? Yes. Oof. Yes, he did. He says that uh, he plans to use Hurts' skill set at certain times. <laughs> so he'll be a running back slash wide receiver then. I guess oh, I don't know. <laughs> I I'm sure I'm sure Hurt will probably look to transfer <laughs> after this season. Especially if he still has a redshirt year. Um Don't play then, him next don't then just don't play him the next couple of couple of games and then he can still he can still well, redshirt someplace else. Well I think he started as a freshman. And Freshman, sophomore, so this is his junior year. So he would still have a redshirt season, and then he'll have one last season left. So if he were to transfer, and then he probably has a graduate year too. So he would have two years to play two. Um, and there's some teams out there that would love to have him. And I can see – hell, on West Virginia message boards, they're like uh, – want to try to break this joke over here to West Virginia. And I'm like, well, damn, we already got a uh, capable Jack Allison, another four-star quarterback that transferred out of Miami, the backup Greer. Why the hell would we want to bring in her? But, you know, it doesn't matter. These teams out here, they want QBs for rentals just because, you know, they're trying to win that, that national championship. So, And then to his brother, supposedly already committed to Alabama. And he's a quarterback. 
I I I don't understand. Even I all right. Let me say this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really make sense for a lot of quarterbacks. I, I I'm I'm very curious to see where why they make the choices that they make as far as the schools that they you know the school choices that they make. Of course, Alabama. Only way you can benefit from Alabama is if you start. Bottom line, if you're not. But if you don't have the playing time for people to see you, have you ever had someone from Alabama get um, selected in a draft where they didn't have significant playing time? Yeah, um, I can't. I can't give you names because, of course, they're not significant. But I've been told that I've not been told. I've heard that there's been Alabama players that have been drafted in the sixth and seventh round that did not get significant playing time, but got playing time nonetheless, and they still make the league. And that's only because the way Alabama – and I'm listening to some Ravens reports and some Redskins reports where players that come from Alabama say that NFL practices are 100 times easier than practices that they had in Alabama because of what they go through to prepare themselves for games and also to possibly prepare themselves for the NFL. Um, so yeah, um, I don't particularly understand why players, especially when you know your top talent, decide that you want to go to the Blue Blood schools, but I do understand because one, you have the opportunity to win the national championship. Two, because when you're the top in your particular class, you feel as though there's nobody better than you, so you think you have the opportunity to go in there and play. But then when Alabama gets damn near the top top recruits from every position coming in every year, not to mention the other 80-some-odd players that are already there that were top recruits from previous years, some of them jokers never touched the field. That's why so many players from Alabama transfer out. Hell, West Virginia has a wide receiver that transferred out from Alabama that scored a touchdown on Saturday. <laughs> it's crazy. But um, I've been reading the trend right now is quarterbacks – is up and leaving and transferring because, one, they're not getting the playing time that they're getting, or two, five-star case in point. Uh, Bryant, Kelly Bryant from Clemson, and they just got that five-star kid that's coming in, and now Dabo Sweeney's already playing both of them at the same time, and they believe the true freshman is going to overtake the kid that's been, that led him to the playoffs last year. It's <laughs> just... I mean, it's cutthroat, dog. I mean, these coaches out there, they know that if they don't win championships, they're not going to be coaching them. No, but I I understand that aspect of it because from a coaching standpoint, I get it. I'm talking about from a player standpoint. I I wish I could answer that question. Why would you subject yourself to go to a school knowing that, yes, you could play, but knowing that next year somebody else could come in and take the spot? Why not go to a lesser school and be a stud on that, to be a stud? On that, play, on that team, um, Alabama sends anywhere between five to 12 players to the NFL every year. If you, have, if you have aspirations to become an NFL player, you go to, you go to Alabama. If you have aspirations to be in the NFL, you go to the SEC. <laughs> but then, unless you're a quarterback, and then you don't want to go to Alabama or really any <laughs> SEC team. You want to go any any of the conference outside of that? True, but what that but but what that does is that it just shows it. To be honest, 
me personally, it just shows though that you're confident about going, that your team is going to get you to the NFL, not your your actual attributes or your skill set. You're putting yourself on a team that basically you didn't showcase anything but get you over in the NFL. So you're putting your beliefs behind the actual team instead of yourself. It doesn't show no confidence. I mean, I mean, that's just my opinion. I'm not saying that it's true or not. I'm just saying that's my opinion from that from what it looks like. This is going to be interesting, in my opinion, with Alabama because, I mean, Alabama, I mean, from Jalen, they really haven't had a, a dynamic quarterback. Uh, yeah, a prototypical dynamic quarterback where you can put the ball in his hands and let him make plays and he can get the ball down the field. I mean, most of the quarterbacks have been game managers. Mm-hmm. The success for Alabama, and in my opinion, I think the success for a lot of SEC and ACC teams has been a dominant defense, good offensive lines, and a dominant running back. And you can kind of plug and play any kind of QB in there as long as he doesn't turn the ball over and he can throw maybe some short passes. There's, they don't really have any people that have really not – there are, but there's not in, in, in a great – a lot of schools and ACC or ACC teams have a player that's going to, you know, a quarterback's going to throw the ball down the field, that's going to really make plays. They usually make the plays by their feet. And um, this one's going to be interesting because I don't think Tua, in my opinion, and I saw in the first game, he kind of brings this scary dimension to the Alabama offense, which a lot of the SEC defensive hasn't really had to game plan for a quarterback that can actually chuck the field down the, you know, down the field and can make some plays. Uh, a passing quarterback who doesn't run first but actually passes. So I think this adds a very scary dynamic to an Alabama team, which I think stays loaded, which disgusts me to no end. But I think. This is going to be interesting to see how Nick Saban handles this because Nick Saban hasn't had a QB like this, potentially, that I can think of. Maybe before when he was in LSU, but I don't know. I mean, he hasn't had a QB that can really stretch the field, and you have to – the defense is going to have to game plan slightly differently for Alabama than they have been in over the last four years. I'll put it like this. I think when Jalen Hurt was a freshman and Lane Kiffin was the OC for Alabama, you saw Jalen Hurt, and you saw the potential of what he could have been. But then when Lane Kiffin left, I think he regressed a little bit when they brought in a new offensive coordinator. I think Lane Kiffin was sort of like a, a QB whisperer for Jalen Hurt and made him into a really a dynamic quarterback who would have gotten better, I think, if he had stayed under Lane Kiffin. And it wouldn't shock me in the least if <laughs> – Crazy as it may sound, it wouldn't shock me if Jalen Hurts decided to transfer, if he were to transfer to Florida Atlantic, to be back under Lane Kiffin and be a QB for them. <laughs> just hell, because I... just because of how dynamic he was when he was the OC for um, Alabama. Yeah, but he couldn't really throw – really can't throw long distance now. I, mean, I don't think he really could throw it then. I mean, hell, Alabama along with Jake Coker as a fucking QB. Where is Jay Coker right now? Packing <laughs> groceries, I'm sure. Has the has the, the the number one cheerleader from Alabama back then? You know, who knows? But I but I, but I get what you're saying. But to me, like I said, it's it's scary because I mean, 
to think you have a passing QB on a Alabama offense, which is already stacked as it is now. Like I said, I just think it just adds a element that I don't know how Nick Saban's going to handle this one. He ain't going to be able to handle it. Hurts uh, going to be gone. Because bottom line is Hurts – I'm not saying Hurt would have been a, a – a productive NFL quarterback, but I think if he'd have stayed on the, that, that upward trajectory with under Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin until now, he would have been positioned himself to get drafted as a QB. Regardless if he would have actually made it as a QB, that's a different story. Because hell, JT Barrett went in as a QB. He didn't get. He got cut by the Saints, but he got drafted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they drafted Lamar Jackson's QB, and they barely wanted to make him a QB. They was trying to get him to want wide receiver drills in the co- in the combine. He had to tell everybody, "No, I'm a QB." Exactly, exactly. And and I'm not saying I couldn't even tell you who's better between Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. To be honest, <laughs> I have to get the edge of Lamar Jackson, hmm. and that's by not a lot. <laughs> right. I mean. It's unfortunate when, you know, black QBs in college football, they're asked to, to, to run a different type of offense. But Deshaun Watson at Clemson was a very dynamic passer, and he showed that he could be a very dynamic passer in, in the NFL when placed in the proper offense to utilize his skill set. And that's what's been the deficiency of the NFL because nobody wants to use that type of quarterback coming out of college and put him in the correct type of offensive skill set to make him successful. We talked about we talked about that all the time with the NFL. True, they trying to they trying to fit a square peg in a round hole, and it ain't never going to happen. I mean, you, you got to be able to understand what his what he's really great at and try to manipulate it in the NFL. I'm not saying you have to become a read off read option QB. But you got to utilize the skill set. If he's used to doing three step drops and getting the ball out of his hand, well, damn it, that's what he needs to be doing in the NFL. <laughs> but, you know, again, that's something I guess we need to get Nashad up on here so we can have a, a, a beat him up, drag him out type of debate. <laughs> well, he's very one sided, so I don't know if he's going to listen to anything. Only, only black quarterback he actually recognizes Warren Moon. So. True. So real quick, since we're running out of our time, obviously the NFL season starts up on Thursday. The first game being um, with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles against the um, Atlanta Falcons, uh, a replay, if you will, from the um, in playoffs last year. So um, just real briefly, uh, we're not going to go into games, um, or pick them or anything like that. But um, I guess your guys' early thoughts on who do you think is going to come out of some divisions and um, your possible early picks for Super Bowl. Um, Super Bowl runs. All right. Uh, so you want to go from division to division? Let's pick a winner. Uh, yeah, we'll start off with the AFC. A- AFC East. Jeez. <laughs> Do we even have to say that one? <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm going to reserve my judgment on any division teams until after I see them play week one. Um, oh, you're no fun. <laughs> I, 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 to be honest, I haven't really gotten all the information as far as all the teams is concerned, so I would love to see them play just to get an idea. Um, but if I had to make a very early prediction, I wouldn't be surprised if New England makes it back to the Super Bowl. 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> he said the hell with the AFC East and the AFC Championship. <laughs> he said the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, I think New England will make the playoffs. I'll just say it like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm grabbing, I'm grabbing New England coming out of the East. <laughs> um, but I don't know anything about that. Like I said, I, I, at first I was like, yeah, I think I'll make my judgment now, but I think I'm going to just hold off because I really didn't have time to look at and analyze all the NFL teams at this point. Well, how about this? We'll, uh, we'll pick quickly who we think now. Week eight, we'll go back and reevaluate. <laughs> all right. If we're going to do it like that, um, I'm going to say – I'm going to do this. I'm going to say Philadelphia – you mean to make the division, win the division? Win their conference. Win their division, yes. New England. New England. And the East, um, AFC East, yeah. What about this, AFC East? New England. East? New England. I do New England, too. AFC North. Who's in the North? Steelers, Ravens, Bengals. Browns. Ugh. This whole, I would, I would say Pittsburgh, but this whole Le'Veon Bell thing is kind of sticky right now. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna. I'm still gonna stay with Steelers. Wait, Steelers, Ravens, Ravens, Browns, Bengals, Bengals. Um, yeah, I gotta stick with Pittsburgh right now, no matter what Bell does at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to early pick would be Steelers right now until no one else gives me a reason to pick otherwise. Exactly. AFC South: Tennis, um, Titans, Colts, Jags, or Texans. Jags. Ah, I would say Jags. Oh, I'm going to be different. I'm going to go Texans. Uh, without seeing how Deshaun Watson bounces back from his injury right now, I'll go with the Jags. Uh, the AFC West, Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders, or Chargers? I'm going to go Chargers. I'm going to go with Chargers. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Well, no, I'll go with I'll go with the Raiders. I'm not I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a believer in um, Patrick um, Patrick Manahome, and I think that the the um, even with the subtraction of um, subtraction of um, Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack, I think they will still eke out a win. Oh wow, Raiders! Okay, me at the division right now, really quick. <laughs> So we'll go with the NFC West, Rams, Cardinals, 49ers, the Seahawks. I, got the uh, Rams. I hate to be a homer. <laughs> but um yeah, I might have to go with the Rams. <laughs> I'm gonna surprise you, big man. You go with the Niners, huh? <laughs> I'm gonna go with the Niners to surprise everybody this year. And Jimmy G, we trust. I, I, you know, I want, I would love to go with that, but I still, you know, it's hard to come back from Achilles and then be a corner at that and be Richard Sherman. So I, I oh, anyway, no, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I'll admit, I, I have the, I have the Niners up there fighting for that, that top spot, but I, I just, right now, I got the Rams at this point. Yeah, I think they, if the 49ers get it, they'll be the, they'll be the fourth seed. Yeah, I, I can see a I can see a wild card maybe, but not winning the day, not winning the MC, no, MC West. All right, NFC South: Falcons, Saints, Buccaneers, or Panthers. 
I as long as Drew Brees is there, I gotta go with the Saints. Yeah, I gotta go with the Saints too. Uh, I will pick the Falcons. <laughs> As of right now. taking the Panthers. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not saying Cam can't get him there. I'm just saying he got to have a bounce back season. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Without question. Without question. I think that was one of the most disappointing seasons he had. Yeah. yeah. Uh, NFC North: Bears, Lions, Packers, or Minnesota Vikings. Vikings. Packers. I'm going with the Vikings because we haven't seen um, Aaron Rodgers play football since he got that collarbone crack, so we don't know for sure. I'll stick with the <laughs> I'll, stick with, I'll go with the Vikings only because I haven't seen Aaron Rodgers, come, you know, come back from that injury yet, so we don't know what you're going to get. And you know what you're going to get with Kirk Cousins. He's going to get you 4,000 yards. <laughs> it's just a matter he just never had a defense. And now he has one. <laughs> And last but not least, the NFC East, Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, or Redskins. I'm not a believer in Foles. Um, I think he got I think he's gonna have the uh I think he's gonna have the Joe Flacco syndrome. He got hot when he got hot, and then he's just gonna be kind of a mediocre QB. Um and because of Philadelphia's uneven start, I think the Giants are gonna come out of the East. It's a toss-up, in my opinion, at this point. It's always a toss-up in the NFC East. I'm sorry. Because um, every time somebody, one team starts to get a, get going, it seems though everybody starts to catch up. They lose, like, two or three straight games, and that it's a toss-up. I could, I, to be honest, I would not be surprised if it's, like, a three-way tie come week eight. Oh, it's possible. Yeah. Actually, yeah, three weeks. Uh, a three-way tie. So – with that being said, I'm going to toss it up and say that I'm going to go with – I'm going to step out of the box and say, because I don't believe in Dallas as of yet, I'm going to – I'm going I'm to I'm, I'm gonna say the Redskins. Oh, no. Really? <laughs> but, wow. but, hey, I have, a, I have a chance to reserve my judgment to, and change my mind week eight. So, I'll stick it at that. This division, I have absolutely no idea. I, as a giant, as a fan, I would say the Giants. But as you know, thinking more practical, I don't know. I, I don't know how the offensive line is going to look. I don't know how Saquon Bell is going to look. I mean, anybody expecting big things from the kid, but he doesn't got that offensive line like Ezekiel Elliott had with Dallas Cowboys. So I don't know. I don't know how Odell's going. I don't know. <laughs> it's 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 un, very unpredictable. Um, I'm not. I don't think the Giants are going to win it this year. I think they're maybe a year away from doing. But that something. window, that window with Eli is closing, man. Very fast. And and, and then y'all turned around and, uh, and cut Davis Webb. That was a casualty of the last administration. So it mm. didn't. It, it surprised me, but it shouldn't, really shouldn't because they drafted a quarterback you know, late round, which everyone is saying is a sleeper. And the Patriots were kind of looking at themselves, but the Giants got them for the Patriots. We know how the Patriots always find these diamonds in the rough, but (laughs) only because I cannot bring myself to even remotely pick the the star. Uh, 
Uh, I'm going to go with the Redskins, actually. Wow. I think Alex Smith is going to actually be the stabilizing force and and surprise the whole friggin' league with, with the Redskins, with the totally. Giants, with, with the Giants in, in second place. Yeah, but Jordan, <laughs> Reed, Jordan Reed can't stay healthy. You, you, you're banking on Adrian Peterson to be a savior. Um, name one wide receiver that makes that's a difference maker for the Redskins. I can't name one. Exactly. Hold on. No, that's about to say Pierre Garçon, but he's not there anymore. He's with the Niners now. <laughs> <laughs> you, have to, you have to understand, when Alex Smith was in Kansas City, he had Tyreek Hill. He had some legitimate weapons. I'm but not, that, saying, that, I'm not that, saying the Redskins don't have it. But that's what makes them scary because the fact is they're so unknown at this point with the wide receiver core. So I'm not saying that, you know, they're going somebody's gonna shock the world. I'm just saying that as of right now, they're too there's so much of an unknown that you don't know what's going to happen. And that's why I said I reserved the right for week one because of the fact is I wanted to see how these teams play. Now I just believe that Washington right now. It's just so unknown. Philadelphia, everybody knows what they're getting with Philadelphia. Everybody knows what they're getting with the Giants and Dallas as well. Um, Washington, you don't know. That's how I see it. Like I said, we have the right to reserve judgment for week eight. Look, I'm, I, look I, I'm looking at the Giants' first eight games. It's not kind, you know, so whoever <laughs> – yeah, it was really being like, fuck y'all. So if the Giants come out the first eight games, 500, then I'll come back and say they have a chance to win the division as long as nobody else runs away with it. Right now, those first eight games for the Giants. Who, who's the first four? Uh, give me a second here. Um No, they play the Jaguars the first game. And oh, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but you don't know what Blake Borders you're going to get that game, so that's a toss-up. <laughs> I ain't worried about the, the Blake Borders. I'm, I'm worried about the defense. Um, <laughs> and kind of pressure they're going to put on the uh, the, the Giants. So their, their first uh, – so their games are – their first game is against Jaguars, Cowboys, Texans, Saints. Panthers, Eagles, Falcons. Wow, that is a gauntlet. <laughs> and, and the Redskins were their eighth game. That's a gauntlet. <laughs> if they can get by the, if they can get, if they can get um, after Redskins games four and four, I'll be thrilled. That is a gauntlet. That is. <laughs> so y'all play the NFC South. Yes, and NFC South is loaded. Yeah. <laughs> now, question. Wow. Okay. Well, well, uh, I still don't believe in Foles. I'm not saying Foles is capable, but I don't believe in him either. But I can't pick the Cowboys. I, I will say Eli. You know, I, I I'm not saying Eli is Hall of Fame caliber QB. Um, I'm sure he will be though. But um, I if, if I just had to say who is the best QB coming out of that division. Alex Smith ain't really showed me nothing because even though he's a great regular season quarterback, when it comes to playoffs, he hasn't really done anything. You got a proven QB in Eli. Um, so as long as that whole line stays somewhat decent, 
That's the problem. That's yeah. my question. That's the yeah. Concern. I agree. I agree. That's that the that's the issue. Concern. And until they they never even addressed the O line at this point. Says satisfy my huh? Well, they did, and I think it was it's better than what they had last year. I mean, they got the tackle straightened out. I mean, they moved um the bum over to the over to the right side. <laughs> I got to be a bum though. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were cut his behind. And then they drafted a O lineman, you know, beginning of the second round. So they've they've addressed it. I mean, it's it's not the best, but in my opinion, I think what they got on paper is better than what they had the last few years. Well, that's why we love foosball. It's a, it's a chess match. It's definitely not checkers. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, everybody, I think we ran a little bit over our time limit, but you know, it's all good. So, um, guys, um, yeah, NFL does get the blood boiling. So, uh, let everybody know where they can find yet. They can find me on Twitter, praising WVU football all day, every day, season 2018. What up? Go Mountaineers. Cat Daddy 1963 on Twitter. Cat Daddy 1963 on Twitter. <laughs> And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls again. Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Praising Johnson C. Smith University. <laughs> Go Golden Bulls. Who's uh, that? Meak or Swack? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's Swack. CIAA. CIAA. Oh, in football? Huh? CIAA in football too? Or is that? I thought they were Swack. No, nah, they're CIAA. Oh, wow. Oh. Well, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> and Snapchat. Not not repping records all day long, but uh. <laughs> hey, hey, you got so, to want to know? Right now, we'll be one to one. Come, come, um, <laughs> Saturday night. Hold on. Okay, yes. Go ahead and tell me where you can find you. I just want to get a quick prediction from you. Uh, you can find me on Snapchat, and Twitter, and the gram. Um, Je Ross number seven. All right. Quick question, Rutgers, Ohio State. Two, two predictions. One, do you believe Rutgers will score this season? Yes. Okay. Two, considering how Oregon State put up 31 on their defense, can you see Rutgers at least putting 21 up on Ohio State? No. I, I can I can see where Rutgers could put up twenty one to twenty eight on Ohio State because they their defense is they got they got questions they got some questions they need to answer. And I'm not saying that Rutgers is Oregon State level, but Rutgers is Rutgers is getting better. State, <laughs> <laughs> but they ain't gonna get shut out not this season. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> and on that note, guys, signing off. Good night. Go Mountaineers. God bless. I'm time to drink some beers. <laughs> uh.